We're doing a little slow walk through the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. And today we're going to talk about a topic that hardly anybody struggles with, but we've kind of come to a text and we have to deal with it. It's complaining. And you know, hardly anybody complains. And so, but I'm doing my due diligence and we're going to look at it. Honestly, if there's one thing <laughs> that we as followers of Christ should do better, it's not complain as much. And so, today this text talks about not complaining. And so, I thought, let's sort of ease into it a little bit. Let's look at some complaints. Now, this first one, uh, it's a little bit, it's a cartoon and it's sort of, it's sort of how I feel a lot of times when I deal with uh, businesses. So let's just jump in. The guy says, these pens don't work. And the guy said, if you've got a complaint, you've got to put it in writing. And that, uh, if you ever have one of those kind of situations, that's how it feels. Now, the others are real complaints. Uh, one guy complained, there are too many lengthy articles on overtly scientific subjects that take up most of the magazine. That was a complaint in popular science which is a magazine that has articles that are overtly scientific. So, just sort of interesting. This one is Amtrak. They had this sort of a pithy, uh, inspirational saying, do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And this guy says, with all due respect, that's terrible advice for a train. <laughs> now, maybe my favorite is this one. Yo, I ordered a pizza and it came with no toppings on it, just bread. Domino says, we're sorry to hear about this, uh, let your friends know and we'll help you. And then he said, never mind, I opened the pizza upside down. <clears throat> One has to wonder what that guy was smoking uh, at that point. Um, you may never, ever again uh, hear me quote Joel Osteen, it's unlikely. But really, he said once, and this is maybe the only thing he ever said that makes sense to me, uh, if you can't be positive, at least be quiet. I think it's really good advice, honestly. And so there are times when we just sort of need to keep our mouths shut because complaining is a killjoy. I mean, it is like a cancer in your spirit. And if you find yourself chronically complaining, it will absolutely steal the joy from your life. Um, it, it's interesting to me that this whole book, uh, Philippians, was written by a guy named Paul who was in a jail cell while he wrote it. He was under 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week surveillance. He was chained to a Roman guard during, uh, for four-hour shifts at a time. I mean, this guy, in that circumstance, wrote this lengthy letter about joy. It's not so much the situation you're in that dictates if you have joy or not. Now, we live in a highly critical society. You have movie critics, you have music critics, you have everybody's a critic. Everybody that makes a mistake is criticized. You have sports announcers. You have 24 hours a day news. You have 24 hour a day sports. They have to have something to do. And so they criticize and criticize and criticize. Because you, you have to fill up time. And the way we're filling up a lot of our time is with criticism. And so you can see how this might be incredibly countercultural if we can learn to not be critical. So... Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, he kind of jumps right in it. By the way, what I find comforting about this is that Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. It must have been a problem then too. I mean, it's not new to us. It's not like we invented complaining. But he says, 
Do everything without complaining or arguing. Now, time out just for a second. We talked about this earlier uh, in one of the early uh, messages in this series. But as followers of Christ, it is God's ambition for his children to get along. Uh, I, I'm a dad. I've got daughters. I have four daughters. I, I love it when they're uh, agreeable to one another. And it really bothers me when they get sideways with one another. God is the father of those of us who follow him through his son Christ. And he wants his kids to get along. And so here's a message of, hey, uh, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. There's this notion that... Today, by the way, one of the slangs for... uh, um, for being critical is throwing shade. I think it's interesting that he says you're going to shine uh, like stars. You're the exact opposite of throwing shade. You're going to be people who don't do that. Because honestly, the big idea today is that complaining is a really bad look for Christians. Um, It's a bad look for us. This shouldn't be what we're known for. It's It's just a bad look. We're children of God, and we shouldn't be the people who are chronically Complaining. Now, what's interesting to me about this is we live in a really, really great society. Uh, America is awesome, a land of opportunity. Uh, we have freedoms that uh, many, if not most people in the world, only dream about. And yet we find ourselves complaining. Now, there's a guy by the name of John Roseman. He wrote, writes a lot of books. He's a psychologist. He writes about children and parenting. And I would highly recommend anything he writes. And recently I read an article about something that he'd written, and he has this theory about why at least young people are, are so discontent. And it goes like this. i got a picture. He talks about how smaller families are with... with and by the way, 68% of American families have two children or less. The average size of a family is you know 1.7 kids per family. So this is almost all of America, but... Families with two children or less have a tendency to bend to the will of the kid. And he gives this illustration. He talks about lunches. And so you got one or two children and you'll say, a mom will say, or dad will say, hey, what do you want for lunch? And, you know, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a Nutella sandwich or whatever. And and so that's what they get and they get it in their lunches and they go off to school. And he, he talks about if you're in a a family with four or five kids and they all have to get off to school, uh, you get your lunch. You don't get a choice. You get what you get and you don't have a fit. I mean, it's kind of, you know, you get it. That's what you get. And then he talks about dinner and, and the mom will say, what do you want, what do you, you know, if you've got two, two kids or less, what do you want for dinner? And, and you'll make it. And sometimes you make it and the kid doesn't like it. And in a, in a small family, a lot of times the mom will say, well, let me get you something you do like. And he makes the point, in a large family, the kid next to you goes, great, I'll eat yours. Uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, so you learn to compromise. You learn to get along. You, you learn to, um, to deal with things, to figure stuff out. And, and, and so he makes the point that with, with smaller families, oftentimes the system bends to the will. This is how he says it. The system bends to the will of the child. With, with larger families, like, like this one, what are they seeing, Miriam? Uh, that's the Von Trapps, right? 
What, what, what do they sing? Give me one song. Oh, yeah, that's right. My girls love that one. Yeah, yeah. So you can see them singing. In a, in a larger family, the, the, the kids bend to the will of the, of the multitude, of the family. And, and it sort of makes sense. Now, biblically speaking, there, there are, and I've just sort of pulled some of these out, but there are, there's categories of complaining. Let's talk about them. One is the cynic. Uh, Solomon is kind of the poster child of this. Look at what he writes in Ecclesiastes. This will brighten your day, and everybody's going to walk out of here with great cheer. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Wow. Um, he was not on the motivational circuit. Uh, really, I mean, gr- good grief. And his, um, he's like Eeyore in uh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, you know, it's always bad. It's, uh, nothing's going to go right. And it's kind of poor, pitiful. It, it's, it's, why even try? That's the cynic. Then you have the martyr. Moses is sort of our poster child of the martyr. Look at what he writes. Moses asked the Lord, what it, Why have you brought me, your servant, this trouble? What have I done wrong that you made me responsible for all these people? Uh, I'm not the father of all these people. I didn't give birth to them. I can't take care of all these people alone. He likes that phrase, doesn't he? All these people. Um, It's too much for me. If you're going to continue doing this to me, then just kill me now. If you care about me, put me to death, and I won't have any more troubles. This is the martyr. Nobody appreciates me. I can't believe after all I've done, she stabs me in the back. After the, I've given that company uh, all these years, and they let me go. That, that's the martyr. Then you have the whiner. David, in the Psalms, is, <laughs> he is one whiny dude, man. I mean, he whines about lots of stuff. And really, a lot of the Psalms you have to read in a whiny voice. This is one. I've kept my heart pure for no good reason. You have to read it like that. I've wasted my hands to stay innocent for nothing. That's how you have to read that verse. Because he's just whining about everything. It's not fair. They got this. Uh, I didn't <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. By the way, newsflash, life isn't fair. <laughs> it's just not fair. There are some people that are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. And some people aren't, and it's how it works, and life isn't fair here. Someday it'll be fair. In heaven it'll be fair. But until we get to heaven, you have to... If you're telling yourself life should be fair, you're fooling yourself. Because it's never going to be fair. And then you learn to deal with it. If I know this is the situation, then I can deal with it. All right, life's not fair. Deal with it. That's that's the truth. One more category. This is the perfectionist. The perfectionist. Now... Gentlemen, I want you to look at me. Every guy in the room needs to look at me. I'm going to read a couple of verses next, and I need you to do something. As your pastor, do not grin. Do not snicker. Do not point. Do not nudge. All right? I'm telling you this for your own good. A nagging wife is like water going drip, drip, drip on a rainy day. Better to live out in the desert than with a nagging, complaining wife. All right. Now, the reason I include these verses, by the way, this refers to husbands as well, that there are perfectionists and nothing is ever good enough. And nothing destroys a relationship like complaining. I don't have enough. This isn't good enough. That's what 
It looks like. And like I said earlier, complaining is like a cancer. And it will just destroy the joy in your life. That's why Paul writes, do everything without complaining or arguing. This is the way you should do it. All right, so if I've convinced you that you should live without complaining, do everything without complaining or arguing, how do you do it? I'm glad you asked. We're going to give you two or three steps, some things that you can apply to your life. Number one, I have to admit it's a problem. And really, if I had this to write over again, I would say I have to admit it's a problem for me. It's got to be personal. I can see that complaining is a problem for others pretty easily. But in this case, I have to see that complaining is a problem for me. In the Proverbs, it talks about whoever conceals their sin doesn't prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. Um, if you were to find out, like you go home and you find out somebody has been secretly recording your conversations, the Russians probably, uh, and uh, uh, they've been secretly recording your conversations and they have copies of your emails, they've ha- you've been hacked. How much whining and murmuring and grumbling and complaining would you find there? Because... It's not just a bad habit, and it is a bad habit, but but it's a sin. And he uses sin kind of words here. Confess and renounce when you do this sort of thing. It's not just a problem. It's a problem for me. In fact, it's the reason the Israelites didn't get to go into the promised land. Moses leads them uh, to the, the Jordan River. The promised land is just over the river. They can see it, and they don't get to go. They don't get to go because they murmured and complained. So number one, it's a problem, and it's not just a problem, it's a problem for me. Number two, I have to accept responsibility. That's a problem for me. In Proverbs 19, it says people ruin their lives with the foolish things they do, and then they blame the Lord for it. It's a cool verse. Because so many times we have this tendency to look at our lives, and we look at it, and we say to ourselves, this is God's fault, or this is somebody else's fault. I don't deserve this. We, we saw that kind of language earlier. We're free to choose. God gives us this great uh, gift called choice. We can choose. We're free to choose, but we're not free from the consequences of our choices. I'll give you an example. Uh, I've had people come in my office before and talk about financially how um, they're, they're struggling And I understand that. I get that sometimes. Sometimes it happens. But I've had conversations where I've kind of drilled down with them a little bit. And and sometimes, maybe often, not always, but but sometimes, maybe often, it'll be because they're a little frivolous with their money and they haven't saved for a rainy day. And those are all things that God wants us to do. And you have to be careful to, to, to prepare Bad things happen, and you have to prepare for that sort of stuff. And, and you have to know that, you know, it, it, it might be my own fault. I think the thir- first place we need to go to is, okay, I want to take responsibility for this. Is there something I could have done differently? I, I find myself in a place I don't want to be. Well, how, what path did I take to get here? I'm here. Let me analyze the path I took to get here. So we're taking responsibility for our own lives. Honestly, there are kind of three types of people in the world. There are accusers, 
Those are the people that say, it's, it's your fault. Adam is the perfect accuser. He is, he's like the best ever, Adam. Adam sins. He gets caught in his sin. Now, get this. At this time, there's Adam, Eve, God. Animals, right? Adam says to God, the woman you gave me caused me to sin. There were only two other people on the planet, and he, he accused them both. I mean, that's awesome. If you're going to do it, that, that's the best ever. I mean, that is really the best ever. And this week, when you look at conversations and start to notice, how many people are accusing somebody else of what they, where they find themselves? Then there are excusers. These are people that do stuff like, they'll say things like, um, I wasn't cuddled enough when I was a kid. You know, mama, mama didn't cuddle me. Or I didn't have the resources. Or, I mean, just an excuse. You, you think of, you, you've heard them. You know the excuses. You come up with an excuse. And then there are people who are choosers. They choose. Again, I'm finding myself here. How did, what path did I take to get here? I, I'd like to fix this. I don't really like it here. I'd like to get not here. So I'm going to figure out how I got here, and I'm going to figure out how to get away from here. These are people who choose. So you have to be certain that you accept responsibility. Thirdly, you develop an attitude of gratitude. Now, we use this verse a lot. It's a good verse. Give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. And honestly, this is one of the most difficult things for a Christian to, to master. We, we talked about a couple weeks ago um, uh, that we're uh, kind of getting to a place where we're uh, getting to a place where um, we're holy or sanctified. We use that kind of language. Well, learning to give thanks not for circumstances but in circumstances it is really, really difficult. And the truth of the matter is, when we're complaining, we're usually being ungrateful. I don't like what I've got. You all probably know this old story about uh, some senior citizens that they were sitting around the dinner table and, and they were complaining and, and one said, you know, my, my, my arm hurts so much I can barely lift my coffee to my mouth. And the neighbor there says, you know, my cataracts are so bad I can barely see my coffee. I, I don't even know where my cup is half the time. Then another one said, you know, my, my neck, I have arthritis and I can't, I can't bend my neck down to drink my coffee. And then this fourth one says, you know what, I'm taking blood pressure medicine, and I'm so dizzy, I'm afraid I'm going to spill my coffee. Kind of complaining. And then one lady chimes in, and she finds the bright spot. And she says, well, thank goodness, at least we can all still drive. And so there's a um, bright side. Every story. That is a great picture, isn't it? I mean, it makes me happy. Um, you hear people complain in America about midlife crisis. You know where they don't have a midlife crisis? There are countries like Angola, Zambia, uh, Lesotho. Uh, Miriam lived there when she was young. Uh, Mozambique, where the average age is in the low 40s. They really don't suffer from midlife crisis when you don't live that long. If you're not going to live past 40, you really never have to experience a midlife crisis. There are people that complain about the high price of food, but if you lived in Venezuela, this is what it looks like. Interestingly enough, last year, 
Uh, 75% of Venezuelans lost an average of 19 pounds. It's called the we don't have any food diet. 19 pounds on average for 75% of the country. So yeah, prices are going up, but at least you have food. There are people who complain about the high cost of their mortgage or their rent or their homeowners association fee or whatever. But you could be in Calcutta. In Calcutta, they live on the streets. They're called the pavement dwellers. This is their existence. If they're lucky enough to have a tarp and make a tent, they can live there. Most of the time, they just lay on the streets. They're born on the street, on the pavement. They live their life on the pavement. They die on the pavement. And yet, here we are complaining about things like we're uber annoyed that there aren't uh, enough things on television we like. We have 297 channels, but we can't find anything to watch. Or we can't seem to lose that extra 10 pounds that we want to lose. Here's what I want to say to you. You've got problems relative to what? It's all relative. Yeah, the cost of food is high, but at least I have food. Cost of rent is high, but at least I have a place to live. Cost of health care is insane, but at least I have health care and have health. I have doctors, I have access to doctors. We, we can complain all day long, but then at some point you have to say, relative to what? Remember last week we looked at a verse. Romans 12, 2, says this. Um, it says, where is it? 12.2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern in our society, it's sort of this mob mentality. It's the mood of the mob. The mood of the mob is always to complain. And it's easy to get into that, have that disposition and to get into that habit. And we're to be different than that. That's why he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And again, I want to make note, Paul writes this while chained to a guard every hour of every day, and he's been that way for about four years. I, I mean... If we were in that situation, could you write that verse? Because it's not the circumstance that dictates your joy. You determine your joy. Now, there are results, and they are great. And he talks about these results, and I'm going to talk about them with you. The first result of containing our complaining is that it identifies us as a child of God. So he says here, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. When we contain our complaining, we reflect who our father is. I had a great dad growing up. I mean, I love my dad. He wasn't perfect, and I, I'm not claiming that he was, but he was good. He taught me a work ethic. He taught me responsibility. He didn't let me off the hook when I did bad things. I got a spanking or two in my life. I didn't get many, but the ones I got, I remember. When I got to be a teenager, I would get in the car. I'd be heading toward the car, and um, 
By the way, Daddy was so smart. You know what he bought me? My first car was a Datsun V210. Um, translation, hoopty. Uh, it was horrible. It was ugly. Orange, burnt orange. And it was, only, it was burnt orange, and the paint had faded. Now, it's bad enough to be burnt orange. Then the paint has faded. I mean, it's like, okay, thanks, Dad. I, I, like, I'm going to get chicks in this, uh, is what I was thinking, right? <laughs> Dad said, like, you're going to get chicks anyway. So, uh, I mean, really, it was... Very rude, I thought. I did have a kick and eight track tape player, so that was something. That was really pretty good. But I remember often going out the door, and I'd grab my keys, and I was going to go out to do whatever young boys do. And, and Daddy would say to me, remember who you are. And I knew what that meant. I'm a vest. In my town, there were some vests. People knew Lawrence Vest, that was my daddy. They knew him. He had a reputation. What he was saying is, you're going out there and you're representing the vests. Remember who you are. See, the Bible tells us, look at this cool verse. Imitate God since you are children he loves. You know what that verse says? Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're representing your father. When you go out and do things... You're representing your father. When people hear you complaining, you're representing your father. And honestly, compa- complaining is a bit of rebellion against God. We're basically saying one of these things. I'm either questioning God's wisdom. I'm saying, do you really know what you're doing? I mean, if you knew what you were doing, why would I be in this situation? Or we're saying, I- I'm doubting God's care. Do you really care? Do you really love me? Or I'm forgetting God's goodness. What have you done for me lately? See, I can't get it out of my mind that complaining is like a cancer in your spirit. What does cancer do? Cancer invades your body and it deteriorates it from the inside out. Complaining invades your soul, your spirit. And it deteriorates it from the inside out. This is why it's so incredibly important that we not complain. It identifies us as a children of God when we don't. And a second thing, it helps us, or it helps others, at least it can help others find God. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God. Then you will shine among them, this warped and crooked generation, like stars in the sky. Look, look at the word there, warped. It, it's the Greek word scolios. You ever heard that word? If somebody has scoliosis, it's a curvature of the spine. I knew a girl when I grew up in high school that had scoliosis, and they put a rod in her back to straighten it out. It's a curvature of the spine. That's where we get that word. And what he's saying is that there's a generation that's warped. They're crooked. They're curved. They're... They're not straight. And super interesting to me is that the, the other word, crooked, is even, it's, it's like perverse. The word literally means they are, perver- they are looking for ways to disobey God. Crooked and perverse, pretty, pretty strong language he's using. Now, honestly, we all have this sort of scoliosis of the spirit. All, we all, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned us to his own way. We, we've all sort of wandered the wrong path. But by the kind of life I live, I, 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 
I establish a platform from which I can be a witness to others. I'm establishing a platform. People are watching us, our neighbors, our coworkers, our schoolmates. They're watching us. We're developing a platform from which we can talk about Christ. There's a little bit more, just a little bit more at the end of verse 16. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And verse 16 says, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Some translations say, as you hold out the word of life. So it's kind of a two-edged sword here a little bit. It's kind of two sides to the same coin. There's your personality, and then there's proclamation. There's your character, and then you're able to speak, to hold out the word of life, to tell people about Christ. This is something that you can do. Now, it really sort of boils down to, if we were to take the whole message and boil it down to one point, it's, it's this. We have to replace complaining with positive speaking. Again, Paul, in a different letter to a different church, says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We, we eliminate... Well, Mama used to say it. If you can't say something nice, what did she say? Don't say nothing at all. Mama was right. Mama must have known this verse. This verse basically says, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. But it's more than that. Look for opportunities to build others up. Be an encourager. Don't be a, you, you can be a complainer or an encourager. You get to choose. Be an encourager. Because this is what our world looks like. I think it's funny. The complaint side is a whole lot, uh, filled in a whole lot more than the gratitude side. That's why if we were people of gratitude, folks would notice. And, and what's interesting to me is, well, look at this verse. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul is basically saying, as your pastor, the Philippian church, I will feel as if I have accomplished my goal as pastor if you get this thing down. If you conquer complaining, I will feel like I didn't labor in vain. That's how important it was. This is such a big deal that he says, then if, you, if I hear back from people that you're not complaining anymore, I'll, I'll be proud. It'll, it'll make me boast. Because honestly, a positive attitude is a great witness. It is a great witness. It, it is something that is so uncommon. It, it is something that is so different. That if you have a positive attitude, and if you're not complaining, rather, you're looking for ways to build each other up. If that describes you, people will gravitate toward it because it is so incredibly rare. Paul is like, man, this is kind of the, one of the first steps in being a, a person who can tell others about Jesus is to be a person that's positive. 
not always griping, not always complaining. You're, you're a person that's positive. Now, I think we've been, um, <laughs> we've been challenged on this, the first weekend of spring break. I want to thank you for being here. We've been challenged today. Now, let's go this week and do something with this. Let's capture every thought. Let's make sure we uh, contain our complaining. I watch those home building shows. You ever seen those? And uh, I love them. There's a bunch of them now. And there's like new ones every week. And it's awesome because there's really nothing else on. And sometimes they find asbestos. Evidently that's bad. Because they have this little freak out every time there's asbestos. They'll call them up, you know. Uh, I've got bad news. What is it, John? We've got asbestos. And then the music goes, nah, nah, nah. I mean, it's like, oh, my word, asbestos. Let's burn it down. I mean, let's start all over. And then they'll say, we're going to have to get the remediation team in there. The remediation team. Did you know there was a remediation team? Well, there is. They come in. I was talking to my friends from Michigan about this the other day. Um, in Muskegon, where we used to live, there are these towers. I mean, they are 60 feet tall. Super cool looking. There used, to be a, <laughs> there used to be a paper plant there. There are so many chemicals in that ground. I mean, it's like um, you walk by it and you get cancer. I mean, it's that bad. It's horrible. It's horrible. Well, they're going <laughs> to build apartments there. You, anybody want to be a taker on that? No. But anyway, they had these towers and they were going to tear them down, but guess what's in them? Asbestos. Guess what they have to call in? The remediation team. That's right. So, they are literally going to have to take them brick by brick. 60 feet of tower. They're going to have to take apart brick by brick. They have the little masks on. You know, the, the, they're covered up. They look like they're going to walk on the moon. I mean, it's like, and on these houses, on these shows, they'll put a big tent over the house. Two-story house, they put a big tent over it because you've got to remediate. And, and when, when Paul says to, uh, to not complain, to capture the complaints. He is basically saying, remediate complaining. When you hear complaining coming out of your mouth, you need to hear, it, you need to hear alarm bells going off. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, it's like, we've got to call in the remediation team. That's what you need to hear. Complaining out your mouth, it's like, ah! Uh, you, you should have a little freak out moment, just internally. If you do it with other people around, they're going to think you're weird. Uh, so do it internally. It's a big deal. Paul's like, man, this is a huge deal. This is big. If we get this, if you can do this, then I'm going to be so proud. I can boast about you. It's going to be great. It's a big accomplishment in your life. It is a big accomplishment in your life too, in my life, to contain, to remediate complaining. This is God's ambition for our lives. Let's pray, and then we're going to take up our offering, and I'll kind of tell you everything that's going on, okay? Lord, we thank you for this day and this reminder, and this is really tough, and it becomes a bad habit in our lives. But it's more than that, it's sin. And we pray that like cancer, you will extract it, you will remediate it from our lives. Help us to be aware, self-aware, Help us to be attentive. 
And help us to do what we need to do to get rid of complaining in our lives. And help us to replace negative talk with positive talk. Help us, Lord, to think about others more than ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.